Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away? The white red. The white baby. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Saturday's show on Red Pill Project. This is Makes You Think with myself, Vince Taglivia, and my co-host, Jim Bob Oval Shorts. What a wonderful day. Jim Bob, how you doing, man? Fantabulous, buddy. we just been hanging out. Uh, did an episode of my show earlier today and been doing things with the kids. We went, we went out and adventured in our new town that we moved to, so it was kind of interesting. Oh, cool. Good, man. Glad you're staying busy, sounds like, and doing stuff, living life. Likewise here, just incredibly busy. I forgot. I forgot we had Sunday tomorrow. I thought it was just going to be, I don't know. It's weird, man, I guess. I lose days too, man. I lose <laughs> days too. Like it, it, It's not even a joke. Sometimes I don't even know what day of the week it is, but hey, we make it through it. We do, man. We do. And uh, glad we made it here tonight for another episode of Makes You Think. Tonight's going to be fun. Um, I made a really cool thumbnail for tonight's show. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this. It's going to be interesting. We're going to talk about uh, a famous, I guess, kind of a hunting story in a way. Yeah. Um, you may or may not have heard of it. Uh, it is the Ghost in the Darkness, or also known as the Savo Man-Eaters story, by a man named Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. And he published The Man-Eaters of Savo in 1907. And I did thumb through uh, that work a little bit in preparation but then i also read articles i watched some short docs and stuff but i have never seen the movie so there is a movie right jim bob there's totally a movie it's one of my favorite movies of like all time because i don't know it's just it val gilmer played a good role and it they tried to stay as true to the story as possible there is some things that they altered you know for sensationalist the, yeah the, you know the process of a story but the story itself like the real story itself is crazier than anything Hollywood could produce to be real with you. Like, it, yeah, it, it, it even involves, you know, Remington, like, cause he was a famous hunter and stuff to begin with. Like it's like the Remington. Wow. Like it, there, it, it's so wild. And it, oh man, like we'll I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I showed you this man, because it, to me, this is one of those things that as I was mentioning to you, even science doesn't have some explanation for some of it. So Yeah, it's still mysterious. It's still debated. We'll get into the story in a minute, but I think I'm like I don't know, maybe kind of a wuss when it comes to things. I often think about like what I fear. What so like what do you fear, Jim Bob, as far as like wild animals? What do you think maybe the scariest wild situation could be or, you know, I've been charged by a bear, sir. So you have? I, 
Yes, sir. I went bear hunting once in my life, and I'm glad that I was with someone else. Because oh. if you, if I wasn't, it would have probably not been me and you talking today. Wow. So, I've never had an experience like that, and that is like my worst fear. One of them. It. it listen, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say that it's a it's a day I was glad I was wearing my brown pants because oh boy, <laughs> like. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean. Around here where I'm at, if I were to have an accident, well, if I were to have an incident with a wild animal, it's probably going to be a deer or a black bear, but really, it's like very unlikely. Like I said, it would probably be an accident, Um, like if I spooked them or if it was just bad timing uh type of thing so really my chances are low but i still fear it especially in the dark i don't know okay i'm i'll be the first to admit i'll say i'm afraid of the fucking dark sometimes other t- I, I could still do my thing but it's like one day in particular recently uh maybe two or three weeks ago i'm cleaning up around my studio before i'm leaving here after the show and the sun's already gone down it's cloudy um and I don't know why, but this day I thought I saw something in the bush right outside my property line. And it's like an easement of just forest. And I thought I saw something and I was like, what the fuck? And uh, I didn't have a light with me or anything. And I was walking around the house and I just had that feeling of dread and like something's watching you. You know what I mean? And I just booked it to the car and got the hell out of there. I was like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Especially living down here close to the to what you would consider the foothills of Appalachia, because I know where the trail begins and such. Like that, there's all kinds of crazy stories and things you don't mess with out in the woods after dark, anyway. So. Yeah. Oh, but all that alone. But I mean, no, I guess, I guess I don't know, man. There's, there's definitely scary things out there in the woods, but I, I guess I've never been too scared of wild animals. That's why I'm willing to go and risk it and go hunting like that mm-hmm. not uh, it's different not, with somebody if you're with at least one other person or two other people it's kind of like everyone's kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, grounding each other in a way but I don't, I don't like to be there alone I'll tell yeah, you right now yeah. me either there's, th- there's things that go bump in the night because I believe in all kinds of crazy things so. so do I and I often tell myself like and maybe we could go into this a little bit before we jump into this story sure um do you would you want to see a Bigfoot? That's you know that is an excellent question. Like yes, but also no. Like because I think that if I seen one that either if the Bigfoot doesn't make me disappear the government might. So <laughs> Okay. So the repercussions. So for repercussions. Socially. Yeah. Well, I mean not not too much socially. Like I don't, I wear a pirate hat in real life, so I don't really care. You know okay. what you think of me, but like, but like, I mean, it'd, it'd be cool to it'd be cool to see when I joke all the time with my co-host Bandit about let's go on a Wendigo hunt. Oh man, that one's scary. And that people are like, that's terrifying and insane, and I'm just like, isn't that cool? Let's go on one. That's one of the so, scariest ones. Where isn't that from? Um... What's that property that has, I think, a Wendigo, famously? Skinwalker Ranch. Or yeah, whatever. Skinwalker Ranch is one of the scariest stories. I would, love to, I would love to spend the night there. 
see and I read the stories and basically what they tell you is it's not anything you ever want to experience. I learned I learned some cool things from a guest who's an expert on what they goes actually about really? all of that recently. And What's... there's totally um, his name's Shane and he hosts another podcast that talks about encounters and stuff like that. And and he was telling me how one is and I don't want to quote him but I know you can check out the episode for sure but one is that one is made like by choice and one is made by magic and really not on their own will or whatever that's the the difference in a skinwalker and a wood dingo okay but they're both in Native American lore and they're super interested and I was interested in them and it was definitely one of my episodes during spooky month when I was all cool. dressed up and acting wild. Yes, dude. Famous costumes. That's a scary one. Um, and it's, it's, I think there's, I don't know if, um, obviously everything about when Dingo's is accurate and true or Bigfoot even for that matter. But I do think there are, there is something there. I don't think it's all bullshit either. I, I, if I had to guess, I would guess. That's there how is I feel something. about it too. Yeah. Um, well, I personally don't think I would want to, unless it was controlled and I was guaranteed a certain outcome, um, and maybe with a group of people, uh, might be okay. But even that well, would Vince, be. Come, come join the group, Vince. We'll make a we'll make it a whole a giant group of Wendigo hunting. But then you might not see one. Yeah, you know that would still be uh, in the Kentucky woods somewhere out there with Panda. <laughs> it would be breathtaking. I'd be down. Um. And then we have aliens. Oh, man. That, I don't know why, scares the shit out of me. Especially if I'm alone. If I see a UFO alone, I start thinking, like, "Uh uh-oh. I need to, like, get get out of here. Which I don't want to... Are you scared of any specific breed of alien? um, I'm just... I don't want that encounter up close and personal. Especially by myself. Yeah, I just, I'm not one to want that contact. I don't know why, and hopefully, you know, that keeps it away, but that's just me. You guys are welcome to send me for first contact. You really? Dude, I'm not brave enough. I'll take the chance. It'd be so scary. Wear your brown pants just in case you have a change of heart last second. That's right. Man. That's right. (laughs) I just, I, I, uh, yeah, that thought just scares me. Maybe it's just the fear of the unknown, right? Just like the fear of the dark. It's just you don't know what's there. Probably nothing. See, I've, I've always been. I've always considered myself kind of a creature of the night. Anyway, like I've always been the late night. I like to go on adventures when it's dark and stuff like that kind of guy. So yeah, I was considering uh, in a few days fishing the blood moon. Ooh, it's kind of cold, okay. so I don't know. But if I was closer, buddy, I'd be tell. I'd be encouraging it and trying to join you. Yeah, I gotta get at least one other person to go with me because I don't want to walk down the dark beach alone. Uh, last time I want, I kind of know the area I want to go to. Last time I fished over there, just out of nowhere, a big buck started running full speed down this peninsula. And Have you researched like, the cryptids of your area? Uh, no. Well, I mean, we have my immediate area doesn't really have much that I've found, but um. There is Bigfoot and that kind of thing in the forest nearby. Maybe, you know, 45-minute drive to the mountain. 
see. I guess that's a big difference in the uh, stuff we're talking about tonight and the, you know, right now and the stuff we're about to talk about because these are real life creatures. I think so. That, that this story was about. Actually, I could get to a tree line. I could get to a forest in probably a 20 minute drive, 15 minute drive. But I wouldn't say it's Bigfoot territory. I think you'd have to go a little bit further in. It's like, because like, you know, we're talking about Bigfoots and Wendigos and aliens, but the story that I sent you tonight was about lions, like something yeah. real deal, you know, but, wild that you, wild that you could actually run across if you were in in Africa. Oh, yeah, and you know what though? If you read this story and nobody tells you it's lions, you don't know it's lions until you know it's lions. It seems like a mythical creature, which is why. It, it it's that's why you have all these myths and legends today regarding it right right because it, it like they were already legendary to the local prior to all of this happening like it wasn't just like f- completely fresh when it was there like the the happenings kind of were like some of the way that they continued but there was always an interesting fact about the story that that kind of blew my mind and this is kind of early on and i guess we can talk about like they didn't these lions these male lions didn't have manes they were maneless lions yeah which i thought was weird at first i did a little bit of research and made some discoveries that they say it's because in warmer climates lions lose their mane but i don't know i never heard of a maneless lion but apparently it's a thing you know, there, there's the, you know, the guy that was doing the curator for them after they got the skins and stuff, doing the display or whatever. He spent years trying to figure out why they didn't have manes like that, and because he didn't accept that as the be- as the best answer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he did a bunch of research and stuff, and that was the only conclusion they really had. But he still had questions about it because that just seemed. Yeah, I guess all they could really do is look at the quality and density and length of lion manes in different climates. But then you get into climate science, and uh, don't even get me started. Um, well, I mean, but it, you got to remember, it's also, in a way, for the male lion, it's a form of neck armor. Armor? Yeah. You know, that because that there's, there's thicker skin and thicker fur in that area, so if they're in a battle with another lion or something like that they have they have more of an area you know it's like a natural armor that there is actually some science behind that with the movement Mm. comes to the pain so that's why you know it does bring more question to it but i mean 135 people before they put an end to these things and yeah that's one figure put out there that these lions, they eventually killed, killed 135 people. But even that's debated, because yeah. the way they figured it out was kind of pseudoscience-y in a way. Um, I don't completely know, you're right. Because there was also people, like missing people in, the, in some of the situations that they have no explanation for. Exactly. Lions are super sneaky hunters, so if somebody goes missing, they might just be chalked down to being a missing person or somebody who ran away, but in reality they could have been swiped off by a lion and we'll never know, and that's not going to be a part of that 135. Also, I guess what they did when they were determining that, um, 
they looked at their they did an isotopic analysis on the lions and based on that analysis they figured that they're 70 percent herbivore 30 percent omnivore and that they had a, according to one study 35 humans each throughout their lifetime um that's still a lot it's still a lot but then people make points like well that's okay about 35 humans worth of meat but what if they only ate a quarter of 30 of quarter one quarter of over 100 humans each right i mean that's that's a that is a good counterpoint absolutely like that i think that's a great counterpoint yeah you know there's there's no telling which ones they may have not finished and the buzzards got the rest or yeah they yeah other, other creatures in that area because i mean that we're i know it's down close to the uh coast below somalia yeah it's the east coast of africa yeah, in one of in one of the most near one of the most famous places uh, known as the Island of War, that was like taken over by the Saudis multiple times. Or yeah, that's, yeah, it was there was it's got a wild history down there. That's where they dropped Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson off when he got there um, in the late 1800s, and that goes back, I think, a few hundred years ago. It was made, and it's just been a focus of constant war of the local tribes and uh countries and um fascinating like castle-like structure uh so that's where he started his journey when he was from um england and he was put on a mission to go down there in order to help engineer he wasn't an engineer oh he was with the engineer wasn't he or something yeah he was helping he was there basically to expedite the building of a bridge Although he wasn't an engineer, he was sent there to just make it happen, hurry it up. And he was about 30 years old when he got there. And um, he made it to that uh, location to begin with that you were mentioning. Yeah. And they put him on a train to go far out. And they say it's like the train from nowhere to nowhere in order to connect that part of Africa to civilization. And uh, obviously it goes into trade and all this kind of thing with England and stuff, right? Or trade with the rest of the world just to have a railway. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to connect Africa by land from end to end. Yeah, which was unheard of. This gets a little bit graphic, you guys. I just want to warn you now. So if there's any like really young people listening or something that maybe not, it might be a little spooky because especially that TikTok you sent me, Jim Bob. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm trying, I try to keep it (laughs) outrageous. I love it. I love it, but I'm just giving them a warning. Um, Heads up ladies and germs. But yeah, he eventually makes his way to essentially a little camp, not a little camp. You have thousands of people there. Um, yeah, voluntary yeah, yeah. workers. They, yeah, they were. Uh, most of them were from India, actually. Yeah. And uh, just so you guys know, before we get further in, this is actually a story published by Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson in 1907. I do have that here. Let me pull it up. I'll leave a link over link over on Social Red Pill. For those of you who like to read or you want to go search it out in your local library or order a copy to read and you like this kind of story. Um, 
I'll provide that. But I kind of want to read uh, the preface, the preface, preface, however you want to say it. And this is um, a really cool book because it's illustrated. It has a lot of illustrations and pictures from the time, actually, which I found ought to be phenomenal. Absolutely. This is very well documented. And I think tonight I might just have to watch that movie. I'm telling you, dude, you should check it out. It's like I said, it's a little bit sensationalized because it's, it's Hollywood, but it still does a really good job of telling the story. And I do know it's on Amazon Prime for anybody who has that. So Cool. All right, let's see. So, The Man-Eaters of Savo, digitized by the Internet Archive in 2007, with funding from Microsoft. Cool. All right. Um, so look at this image to begin with of just these lions. It's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. The Man Eaters of Savo and Other East African Adventures by Lieutenant Colonel J.H. Patterson with a foreword by Frederick Courtney Sellis with illustrations. Really cool. So I'll just read this real quick. It is with feelings of the greatest diffidence that I place the following pages before the public, but those of my friends who happen to have heard of my rather unique experiences in the wilds have so often urged me to write an account of my adventures that after my hesitation I at last determined to do so. I have no doubt that many of my readers, who have perhaps never been very far away from civilization, will be inclined to think that some of the incidents were, are exaggerated. I can only assure them that I have I have toned down the facts rather than otherwise, and have endeavored to write a perfectly plain and straightforward account of things as they actually happened. It must be remembered that at the time these events occurred, the conditions prevailing in British East Africa were very different from what they are now today. The railway, which has modernized the aspect of the place and brought civilization in its train, was then only in process of construction, and the country through which it was being built was still in its primitive savage state, as indeed, away from the railway, it still is. If this simple account of two years' work and play in the wild should prove of any interest or help, even in a small way, to call attention to the beautiful and valuable country which we possess on the equator, I shall feel more than compensated for the trouble I have taken in writing it. I am much indebted to... Honorable Miss Cyril Ward, Sir Gulford, Molesworth, KCIE, Mr. T. J. Spooner, and Mr. C. Rawson for their kindness in allowing me to uh, reproduce photographs taken by them. My warmest thanks are, are also due to that veteran pioneer of Africa, Mr. F. C. Salas, for giving my little book so kindly an introduction to the public as is provided by the foreword, which has been, which has been good enough to write. And then it goes into the forward and onward. And then it gets into the contents in the story. Ooh. So he actually says he is accused of exaggerating, but he actually downplays it all, which is pretty phenomenal. Right. I mean, that. I don't know. Like, I. 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 I say no one. I believe that you sh shouldn't 
dismiss someone's viewpoint. You know what I'm saying? It might get because you never know. And like this dude, this dude seems like a pretty up, up straight, up forward dude. You know what I'm saying? Of his time or whatever, he wasn't. He didn't seem like no kind of like conqueror or nothing. He just seemed like a like a pretty up regular standard standout guy that got a good yeah. job and. Yeah, actually, he was a good guy. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to read that he wrote that he had a helper assigned to him once he got there. Yeah, yeah. And his helper was this young kid, and he was given a very inappropriate and probably racist name when he was introduced to him. And he just, he was like, you know, I'm not going to call him this offensive name. I'm just going to call him Boy. I'm just going to call him, yeah, Boy is what he said. And... So he usually referred to him regard, as my boy a lot from what I had seen. Like he yeah. would tell people he was my boy. My boy. He was pretty, yeah. And uh, they actually had a great relationship, and um, it's really kind of an interesting thing. He seemed like, yeah, a great guy. Um, all right, so what happened? Should we start with that TikTok? It's so scary. Mm-hmm. Let's just say after they got there, Things were fine some nights, and other nights it was just absolute terror. And the people would dread the night, including this colonel. He would say the nights, something along the lines of when it became dark, when it was getting dark, it was just terrible because it got to the point where they knew it was likely somebody would lose their life that night, and there's nothing they could do about it. They were living in tents, um... All of them were living in tents, away from civilization. Yeah, it was a tent city. Uh, They're all there to just do work. None of them were very rich. They had some guns and stuff, but um, these lions proved to be extremely elusive and hard to kill for a very long time. Hence the huge kill count of uh, hundred plus or possibly hundreds of human casualties. Um, Let's watch that very. kind of graphic uh, TikTok. I apologize, um, everybody. I'm, I am, hey, I am apparently graphic. It's good content. It's. I thought it was graphic. I didn't find like, anything. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make it. I just found it. And thought it was pretty. Pretty good storytell of the, was... like, a, like a quick one. You know, couple minute or whatever wrap up. About <laughs> it. I will say this. This TikTok is by Creature Preacher, and he, what a voice on this guy! Right. Oh my it's, god makes me quite envious oh. when i hear fantastic voices like that yeah it's like, at creature preacher 888 he sounds like um kind of like uh morgan freeman a little bit a little bit right am i wrong i don't know let's no i hear it i hear it too <laughs> okay oh let's see thank you i got a couple links from you too oh yeah that was just oh yeah one of them's good it's some good facts okay i have the other links you sent me earlier too all right let's take a look at this you guys uh please prepare yourself the audio may be a little bit loud i'm not sure yet so bear with me um i apologize if it is i adjusted it down a little bit but let's see is it gonna play for us Lions of Savo. I promised you the story. Here it is. The ghost and the darkness. In a four-month span, in 1898, these lions were responsible for up to 150 
human deaths. You most likely have seen the movie or even heard the Patterson account. This isn't that. This is from the perspective of Mutunga. He was a local man of the tribes that lived in the area known as the Wakamba, sometimes the Kamba. He worked as a translator and he also brought goods from his village some miles away to the railroad. Fresh cheese and milk and agricultural products. The killings had already begun, but only two, and nobody knew that they were connected as of yet. That was all about to change dramatically. They sent a man by the name of Mr. Finch, we don't know his first name, to the Wakamba village to pick up Matunga, his produce, and bring it back to the railroad station. Somewhere between the village and the railroad station, they stopped to have a quick bite of lunch. Later, Matunga said it was a very fine lunch. Mr. Finch stood some distance away, having a home-rolled cigarette, when the lion attacked suddenly from the high grass. Matunga later recounted that he immediately threw his Nobkari club at the lion, but it didn't even flinch. It held Mr. Finch down, and Matunga screamed at it until his voice was nearly gone. He retreated behind the wagon, and he watched what came next, helplessly. The lion held Mr. Finch down with its great paws and began to lick his face, gently at first, like a lover. Mr. Finch was completely quiet during this. He was playing dead, it seemed. The licks became less gentle and more rough, and Mr. Finch would squirm, when he would squirm, the lion would gently bite down on his face until he stopped squirming, and then it would begin to lick again. Soon, Mr. Finch began to whimper and then cry, and Matunga watched helplessly as the lion continued to lick his face until there was nearly no face left. At that time, Mr. Finch cried and asked to be put down. Matunga had no way of doing so, so he did all that he could. He ran away. He went back to his village and told them what had happened. They later found Mr. Finch's body right where it had fallen, minus his face and most of the flesh on his chest. It had begun. The man-eating... Yeah, it had begun. And he's got a great hat, by the way. Yeah, he does. He's doing it right over there. Damn it. Ooh. Gotta give props to a good hat when you see a good hat. But I mean, yeah, chilling, right? I mean, that's, that's, you would think that's, you would think that that's something out of a Hollywood story, but it's, it's the account of a man, of, of a few men. Like, there's other accounts of that story, technically, you know, from, from a, you know, not a technicality. Mm hmm. Man. And, it's it's interesting it seems you know clearly these lions had a taste for blood and uh not just any blood but human blood we know lions hunt other animals right, right. but for some reason once in a while you get stories like this where it's just where a lion decides its main hunt and focus to be people um, see, but this story just seemed like there was so much more to it. Like these, these two lions were 
almost mystic in their operation. You know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. they were. It's it's almost like they were taunting them at times. Yeah. The story goes. And you know what, man? That is so terrifying because it just reminds me of exactly what lions are, and they are huge cats. And the I think cats that, are the best killer in the entire world. Like sixty percent of the time, they're successful. Yeah, and you don't know they're there. That's why they would often call them ghosts. They could, like, if you're in a tent with six people, they would come in, they would take one person and be gone, and nobody would even hear a thing. There's a story in the book even um, of a man being taken in this way one night, and it's not like, oh, if you're around the perimeter of the camp near the bush, you get taken. No, they'll go to the middle of the camp and take somebody. So it's like nobody's safe and nobody could hear shit. They did a lot of stuff to prevent this from happening. They put up like pots and pan traps and just to hear what's going on. They would light their fires to try to keep it light to hopefully scare them away. Nothing worked. But uh, the licking aspect of that story. It's terrifying. And how it's kind of like playful at the time of uh, killing this man and eating him. Terrifies me because it reminds me of my cat and how actually primal they are yeah yeah dude cat they're they're killing machines cats yeah cats have destroyed the north american bird population more than anything else and and really yes that's this is a fact you can you can people can fact check me on cats have cats have killed uh, large amounts of especially stray cats large amounts of the north american natural bird population and it's because the house cat, the form of cat that the house cat is, is totally alien to the United States. It's not actually something that was commonly found around here. Yes, there's a few cats that are from this area, but the modern house cat is kind of a evil little dude. I believe it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I love cats. I'm not saying so anything bad about cats. I think cats are awesome animals in their own aspects, but they, they're, they're ha- their existence has brought some cost, apparently. So, yeah. you know, spay, as Bob Barker would say, spay and neuter your pets. Absolutely. Be a responsible pet owner. I love this website you sent me, and I have to admit, I ended up watching the podcast that's embedded, and it was so good. Black Rifle Coffee Company posted this article or sponsors it or something. And yeah. what a great podcast they have. I had no idea, but um, they're not... I've heard I've heard mixed reviews, I'll say that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we, I've actually tried the coffee. It's, it's not bad, but I still have a preferred. So let's take a look at this real quick, because they have pictures of the actual lions. Eventually they did kill both in an epic way. We could talk about... This is them today. They've actually been stuffed Stuffed. and are on display. Two giant male lions between 350 and 400 pounds. This is actually smaller than they are in real life. Um, There's an actual picture of them down here. Here's Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson with the first of two Savo man-eating lions he killed in December of 1898 photo courtesy of the field museum look at this beast i mean 
to think that that is out there where you can't see in the middle of the night hunting you, yes. Or hardly hear Vince. even. That, yes, Vince, that would be something that would terrify. I would have to make sure the brown pants are there, buddy. I know, and it looks like one. he has his on. It's... Yeah. And let's not forget, <laughs> he's got a pretty cool hat. Look at that mustache. I know, like, killer mustache. I, oh, man, to be in that time, I, I need to bring that back too, huh? Nice, yeah, why not? Yeah. It's a good mustache. So, he literally had to stop work to kill them. He couldn't do his damn job because it was just night after night, literally, people were dying. If they were lucky, they'd have a week where no one, nothing would happen. He said, give me snuff, whiskey, and Swedes, and I will build this railroad through hell. Minnesota Railroad Baron James J. Hill once famously said, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Patterson might have said the same. Patterson had a lion problem delaying his railroad, but the British military officer with experience killing tigers in India had a plan. He struggled to kill this thing, though, for a long time. It's, I mean, there's, it's terrifying. Like that, to be, to be the guy on the other end, like trying to hunt these lions, yeah. these specific lions that were, that were hunting him at the exact same time. This is, literally. this is literally a hunter be hunted situation. They're hunting each other, and how he survived this is pretty remarkable. Um, he. Barely escapes death all the way till the end. Um, and he, I have a quote from him that's pretty amazing. And then I have one that I remember in my head, but I don't uh, have it in front of me. He said, this is John Henry Patterson, said, The silence of an African jungle on a dark night needs to be experienced to be realized. It is most, it is most impressive, especially when one is absolutely alone and isolated from one's fellow creatures, as I was then. Oftentimes he would go out into the um, bush, the desert, the nothingness, where there's just, like he said, it looked like spikes sticking out of the ground and just bush here and there, nothing much, right? And he'd climb up in a tree and he'd just sit there all night and he, and, and he would be not awake but not asleep and just become like one with the freaking African tundra and wait with his guns. Um... He said that, uh, oh, I don't know, lost my train of thought, but that's what he would do oftentimes. Well, oh, he said he would sleep for a few hours in the afternoon when it was light outside, and then he'd be up all night, and he did this day in and day out until it became just, well, I guess I could function off three or four hours of sleep from the day, and I need to survive. And, and you know it's it's crazy because that's not the initial job he signed up for. You know what I'm saying? Like he was going out there to work on a railroad, help build a bridge. You know yeah, what I mean? he's supposed like, to be an expediter for F's sake. That he gets there and has to basically save that whole little village. Of I mean, it's not even a little village. Like I've seen, I've seen differences in the numbers, but we're talking on the ups of like eight thousand people out there working and making a living. Yeah, I wonder if we could find any images of that. So chapter one is the, my arrival at Savo, and then chapter two is the first appearance of the man-eaters, and we heard that graphic story. So here is Savo in the upper right. Sorry, it's very tiny, um, but I guess they'd be outside of this. Hmm. 
and this is actually Jesus Port or Jesus Fort, that uh, place where he arrived. The fortress that was built in 1593, where there was just war after war. Uh, Jesus Fort was one of the names. Uh, what was the other name? I don't remember. Uh, you said it earlier. I don't know. You said it earlier. It's fine. I did. All good. But yeah, pretty nothing. Pretty desolate. And here's one of the little, looks like a grass hut of sorts, an ostrich. Yeah, that's what they were living in. Yeah. Here's, here is a, uh, see if it'll send it to you in the chat. It's a, like a picture of that fort, too, that he arrived to. So wild that they just had little tents next to the railroad. Nothing else, literally, for miles. Wow. That's, and, and, you know, those are those are interesting times, too. Like, there's a bunch of interesting history around, you know, the involvement of all the different culture that was down in that area, too. Because mm-hmm. there was different... Because they actually asked for the help of the Europeans and such. Wow. Look at this thing. Is this the same area? I guess yeah. this is like modern oh. times. We go back. Yes. This is the fort. Massive. Hmm. It's like a castle. Amazing. Quite so. amazing. Right on the beach. Wow. And... And okay, so there's a, and there's also, you want to get a little more weird about it. Yeah. There's a crystal, um, commonly known as green grosolite. There is. Or Tazav, the Savo or whatever, Savorite is another name for it. Um, wow. It's a species of garnet that, yeah, that is found in, like, the national. The national park in that area and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. So and it's of course it's named after its area. Wow. Right. Right. It brings up some more interesting questions. You know, there's always been gemstone stealing and such going on throughout a lot of Africa's history. So. Wow. Beautiful. Maybe it's something like it is, you know, one of your one of those comics or something. Something. Something that has like local magic history and all kinds of stuff. Wow, beautiful. A green grossolarite. It's garnet. Never been found in this color until then in Africa. Hmm. Beautiful. I think it's, I think it's pretty neat stuff. Like. Yeah. There, there seems to be, like, when you start actually doing some history on the area, like some research on the area, it seems like one of those places where all kinds of weird, interesting things happened, to, mm-hmm. you know, throughout history. And there's been different For wars sure. and different things going in and out of there being a main port of export. So there's all kinds <laughs> of interesting hidden history, I believe, there. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have a lot of weird lore and history. They even have their own, like, ape people and Bigfoot-type 
mythology and all sorts of things. It's pretty wild. And a belief in magic and mysticism and uh, interesting stuff. Um, so, and all that kind of stuff anyway. So. Yeah. Um, so these attacks were happening, right? Just relentlessly to the point where his main goal every day was just how am I going to survive and how am I going to kill these lions and other people were trying to kill these lions as well uh, so oftentimes he'd be up all night in um, a fort or in a, a stand like a hunting stand that he'd make uh, let's say a lion killed somebody well he'd built a hunting stand over there and if a lion killed a goat he'd build a hunting stand over there he'd build a hunting stand with goats on a leash on a stake as bait for the lions but oftentimes the lions didn't even want the goats other times they would take the goats but it seemed like the lions were attracted to the human noises and would seek human flesh and it always seemed like a lot of times he'd set up on the north side they'd come from the south side he'd set up on the west side they'd come in the middle and attack and he never was right there able to stop them and they'd track they'd track them the next day and uh, this kind of thing, and just find bodies where the lions decided to eat them. Usually within a few miles from camp, they would stop and eat what they wanted and then leave the rest for the rest of Africa to take. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank on how he killed the first one, I'll be honest, but he did shoot it and it got wounded, and then they That's tracked it down the next day, I believe. Is You're correct it? on that one. Yes. Okay. They, they, he, he, he wasn't actually sure on the shot, but they tracked it when the sun came back up, and it did end up finding it dead. And it, the other one actually toyed with him still, like in the, out in the woods or whatever. It, it, it wasn't like an immediate kill for the second one right after. It actually still took him a little bit of time to. Yeah, dude. Get, get the second one. Like it, it was. Hold on, I don't talk about... I'll go to the second one in the end. In a minute. Okay, alright, But the extent they went to to even get that first one was incredible. Yes. One of the things that he tried, and it, he took a, it took a lot of labor and resources, is they built a giant trap and put human bait inside. So it was like a two-room rat trap where the lion would go in and trigger the door to close behind it and be uh, stopped by the ground. It would basically go into the ground and not be able to open. And the lion would be, it would be like bars separating the lion from the human bait on the other side in this box. And that was one of the traps that they tried. And they're like, oh yeah, the lions can't get you guys. Just wait here. Look, this thing, this thing going nowhere. Tap, tap. Like I have actually, there's a picture in that book of it. Um, I don't think I wrote down the page. Did I? It's just a big wooden box and it's surrounded by bush because what they ended up doing too is their camp was a couple miles or a few miles large they built um, basically barriers around the entire camp and even around some of the individual tents to keep these lions out of like thorn bushes and stuff that was just packed wood and thorns and there's two entrances I believe and in order to protect themselves but that didn't even stop them they would jump over it they would climb through it they would go through the entrances like just didn't work um, one account even was that a man was um, 
a lion was trying to take a man and it grabbed his bed instead and um couldn't get the bed through the bush and that guy was lucky another one he writes of he would witness men being dragged or the aftermath of men or women or people being dragged through this barrier which is just thorns and basically it would just be flesh throughout these barriers and then they'd follow and then they'd find remains where the lions decided to stop and eat and they would just take their favorite part and then they'd just leave it yeah they didn't even they i mean that you know making on to your point that you said earlier they actually didn't devour entire a lot of the time they didn't devour the entire person they would just eat part of them and the rest of it was either strode or left laying there it was probably just like a hunting thing like a like just an instinctual pleasure thing for them they were serial human killers it was you know some of the some of the locals said it was almost like you know like a myth like the they wouldn't see fighting it. back and stuff you know what i'm saying the jungle fighting back they wouldn't see it it was almost like a game psychologically this had to be so rough on them and that's why i think a lot of them are like they would refer to it to the lions as the darkness they would never see them they'd refer to them as the ghost and a lot of them believed it wasn't anything natural it was everything but it was supernatural it was god punishing everybody it was just these incredible um imaginings of what it could possibly be and it's so mysterious man because you, one second you're fine the next second it's just a lion's running 50 miles or 45 lions can run 50 miles per hour by the way i don't know if you're aware of this so yes. if you get grabbed by a lion it could literally drag you like a rag doll run 30 miles per hour it would be like you getting grabbed by a a truck and then just the truck goes it's just nuts or a car like they're heavy oh my gosh actually yeah it's just nuts absolutely nuts well let's talk about the second the second lion yes yes they i mean they had to get crafty you know what i'm saying like they had to continue with this because it wasn't just a simple i don't know it's like it's like it learned you know what i'm saying like it learned what they did to the first lion and was like well you're not going to get me the same way like that's that's my perspective on on it so I guess what he ended up doing was hiding in a tree. And there's some nights where even he was tripped out, like um, before the before the second successful kill and the first kill. He would be like, they would fire into just the bush in the general direction. Like everybody would just sit there firing because they could hear something like stone throws away in the bush. They could hear, they know there's lions there. And not to mention, we didn't mention this, the roaring. They would be tantalized by the roaring sometimes they would warn them with roars other days they would just attack but they never really knew it was fucking with their minds but they would often just shoot into the darkness and well the colonel wouldn't because he knew it was worthless um but he did fire at what he thought was a lion at times and miss and like him and a buddy were out one time trying to count them they both thought they were shooting a lion they found one bullet the other one missed they 
and they don't they both miss they never found the other slug shotgun slug but um they basically attributed these creatures to being ghosts they're just astonished they're like how can we miss over and over and over again we're using bait we're using traps we're going here we're going there we're staying up all night um well finally in his last encounter with one of these lions he unloads on one of them the last one i think he gets two or he shoots it with one shot he misses a couple and then the last two or three they land and prior to this he had wounded it he wounded it he shot it in the leg i think 10 days prior and they tried to track it but the blood disappeared and they couldn't track it so they figured he's fine well he was fine and he didn't do any attacking for a week and a half and then they finally found him again and he was laying down hurt and well actually remember it gave him it actually gave him a sense of false hope because it didn't attack anybody for 10 days yeah and they thought it had run off and died somewhere in the bush but then again on the camp in december of 1898 the uh on, on, the, on the other on another stakeout trying to wait up and look for it or whatever because somebody had said that it was stalking him that day he said that he took it he took it out in the chest from well, he, he shot it in the chest yeah from 20 yards but i think he shot it still in the leg too but it still disappeared he shot its hind leg as well and it left eventually they find it again well let's say this too the first time when they found the first lion that they shot yep he walked up on it terrified even though it was dead like it could just spring up and kill him like he was still just like holy shit but it was dead the second time he found it it was laying down wounded he walks up and as he's about to shoot on it and fire it hops up and runs towards him he fires it he hits it he fires a few more times hits it a couple more times it falls to the ground. It gets back up. It keeps coming at him. He reaches back and looks back for another gun. His whole team has scrambled up a tree. He's like, I was, I was, I was impressed and also disgusted at how quickly they cut, they climb that tree. He runs over to the tree. He starts climbing up. The lion follows him up the tree. Can barely jump because its leg is broken. And comes within inches of grabbing his feet and dragging him down to his death. And he gets the gun, turns around, and he kills the lion. And then they skin them, and all those, the you know, the story goes on. But that was it. They killed hundreds of people. And they still do. Absolutely Just terrifying. terrifying. Like, I mean, to be on the other side of that, bro, like, if you were, you were the guy in the tree that day. I think I would just be like, hey, I'm moving. I can't do that. Are you kidding me? Or like I'm building a castle. I mean, castle's a good option. But then you get the story, the lion in the castle. That's going to happen, right? <laughs> like it's just a matter of time. It's eventually going to get in the castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have another story. <laughs> Holy smokes. What a sensational tale. But this is but this is one of this is one of like the few interesting stories like of interactions mankind has had with nature mm -hmm. that really doesn't have any answers you know what i mean there's a lot of questions yeah um, what, what drove these lions to do such a thing 
why humans? Yeah. By the main just, one. Mm-hmm. And then one of the theories as to why they ate humans was they did analysis of the one of the skulls and they found that the lion that had eaten more human meat throughout its life, based on the isotopic analysis, had a really bad tooth infection. And the, so the prevailing theory by those who discovered this is that human flesh is easier on their hurt mouth. And that's why that lion chose to eat more human. Is that true who the hell knows i think it's speculation at best uh but it's a theory out there um but then there's the counter arguments to that which is a lot of animals and predatory animals have tooth infections they don't eat humans so i think there's another thing to it right probably i think it's just maybe they got weird or just like a human serial killer something goes weird in their brain and they just decide to do it and that's what they they get off on in, in a way right i don't know Something, right? Yeah. Even still, there's hundreds of people killed by lions every year. Yes, absolutely. And that's documented. You have to remember, a lot of these areas in Africa, they're not going to go and report this to their local agency. It's just going to be a missing person. It's just going to be unreported. And um, so there's probably more than that. It's so fascinating. Well, if there's anything to be learned from this, it's leave lions alone. Yeah, do not. And they would say that. They're like, it's like this lion has a vengeance and that it's coming back and, like, we're hunting each other. Like, there's a game being played. 5D lion chess. 5D lion chess. <laughs> Ghost pretty lion advanced. chess. That's pretty advanced chess there, buddy. <laughs> it is. You do not want to play that because the stakes are pretty high. I would say so. I mean, you know, you start looking at the stats of lions, period. Like, they, they really could you know, swipe your head off. Yeah. And, and and nobody thinks about how fast they are. You made mention of that. You know, everybody's like, oh, the 50. cheetah moves 66 mile an hour. Yeah, well, a lion moves 50. Yeah. You're Think not running that. 50. You're not driving 50 through Africa bush. And if you're on foot, you're not getting anywhere at 50. Played 5D lion chess. Ah, sorry. I started playing our audio. I have a spammer over here on one of our platforms. I don't know how to uh, moderate this. This isn't good. Which platform is this? Rumble. Shame, shame. So, I mean, that's pretty much the story, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit those pluses and likes and shares and... I'm um, glad to have you all from Facebook here tonight as well as everywhere else. If you're unaware, we're not streaming our morning show on Facebook for the foreseeable future. So tune into the other platforms to watch that. Rumble, DLive, Pilled, CloutHub, etc. We'd love to see you there. Uh, the Daily Dose will be there, though. Fringe will be there. And we'll be there as well. And we can't wait to see you guys again. Uh, Jim Bob, so fascinating, dude. Thanks for sharing. I'm going to have to watch this. And I encourage you all to as well. Before I go, I will share the... Um, digital copy of the book from archive.org if you guys want to read it and um, let me know if you watch the movie and read the book and how you like the show in the comments Jim Bob where can they find you what do you got going on any last words relating to the story anything yeah you know I, I think this is an awesome story and I do recommend reading it and and even checking out the movie like they're both pretty good done and you know there's pretty good information in there and stuff like that so 
don't know. I definitely, if you want to break from the norm and you want something good to entertain yourself with, this is this is definitely the key to it. So and would you rather, do you want to go see a Wendigo or do you want to go see a lion at this point? I mean, I'm, I'd be down to go see a lion too, bro. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tempt me with a trip. We can make a trip. We'll, we'll do the Red Pill Project. I would love to do Africa. The Red Pill Project trip to Africa. I don't know how many African fans we have, but maybe a few. Go, we can go visit Somalia and some real pirates, and then go like hang out with some lions. And make Red, a whole weekend of it. Red Pill 2023 Africa meetup. Gotta go global, buddy. We going global. Think big. We can red pill them all. But, you know, as far as everything else, you can <laughs> find me at unconstitutionalawakening.com. Anywhere you can find... Jim Bob Oval shorts, really. I'm just, you type me in, and I start popping up all over the place. You can't miss this hat or this goofy mug. So absolutely, <laughs> I appreciate Great all podcast. the love and support Check we get, though. So, and you know, I, there's there's all there's always links to get back to all the stuff that we do here with you guys at unconstitutionalawakening.com as well, because I make sure that I share the love that we're intertwined a little out. bit. Awesome. Yeah, you guys can find him on redpills.tv too. This is aired there as well in case you're ever wondering what the heck's going on. You can sign up for the email there. Sign up on unconstitutionalawakening.com as well. Watch the podcast on Rumble. All that good stuff. We appreciate you all. In uh, maybe about an hour, I'll be on the Red Pill Project after chat on the Social Red Pill. You can join that for free. www.socialredpill.com Have a chat with me. Um, and any other people who are awake tonight and want to hang out and just talk about this story, other stories, personal hunting stories, your thoughts on aliens, your thoughts on Bigfoot, or you know what, we could drift out of that realm and we could talk about whatever the heck we want. So come over there to the social red pill and join the zoom. If you guys want to just have a casual, relaxed get together there, look forward to seeing you there tomorrow, Sunday. So enjoy it. We do have the true spiracy podcast here tomorrow afternoon with Mick and V Lynn. So tune into that. They always have something special in store. Always a good time. So if you're looking for some content midday tomorrow, check that out or maybe early, depending on where you are. And uh, we'll be back again uh, next week, Monday through Thursday with the daily dose Monday through Friday with morning coffee and then into the weekend again, we've got a big week ahead of us, everybody. So get your rest. Let's go. Take care. Thank you, Jim Bob, very much. And uh, Godspeed.